0: Lean on agile show i'm your host shaheen and i have a dear friend of mine horia uh, a gem in the kanban community if i may say and one of the uh, people that um started propagating the kanban knowledge in Toronto area as early as i could remember um so uh welcome Horio. thanks thanks for joining us on the show uh and taking the time off and uh, talking to us um let us start by asking this question: Who Horia is? Tell us, tell us who you are.
1: Thank you so much, Hing. That that's uh, it, it's very humbling as an introduction. Appreciate appreciate the kind words and the kind thoughts. Um, just to try not to take too much time. Uh, name is Horia Balog. I am a bit of a nerd and a geek and a techie. Um, grew up into my career from uh, going to uh, through uh, being a developer, a system analyst, a solution architect i um, done a few different jobs like enterprise architecture, some of the, the program level uh, technical work. Um, here and there, I also had the opportunity to lead uh, uh, relatively small groups of people. Um, and over time, I ended up focusing on um, agility, and adoption of agility, and uh, discovered the beautiful work of, uh, world of Kanban, right? And uh, Kanban opens up so many opportunities and so many um, so many topics of discussion and so many opportunities for improvement that it's it's going to keep us busy for a while, right? Um, I have been involved with uh, with the community for quite a few years, um, and uh, uh, Shane, like you said, we we are good friends, and we have a lot of good friends in the community. Right. Right. Um, looking forward to this conversation.
0: Yeah. So you you assume many roles, as you said, like from a developer to architect to at the program level to working yourself into the agile world, I'm assuming you are coaching and consulting agility, um, large organization, which one uh, you like the most? Like if you have to pick, uh, maybe which the top two ones, cause you might love the one that you're doing right now. But if you look back, which one was, was the one that you really liked um, and you're missing it the most? Uh,
1: that's a great question, Sahin. So- um, maybe I'll take it in a bit of a chronological order also because it's also kind of a, um, a it is an aspect of evolution from my point right. of view personally. Um, I, I loved the, the technology focused jobs. Um, and and some of the best ones are like things like solution architecture, enterprise architecture, where you get to see the big picture. You get to really, you get to really kind of work with very advanced technologies and, and, and uh, Adopting new new practices and new technologies, and and uh, um, uh, all kind of new software platforms, and it's it's a bit like a in the candy store. The the second one, like you said, let let's pick two. The second one was the coaching uh, mm-hmm. roles, uh, be it a DevOps coach initially, and then transitioning into Agile coaching and Kanban coaching. Uh, and the the reason that's even even uh, again, it's an evolution. It's because I had to kind of shed the expectation that I need to know everything and all needs to be perfect. in all my conversation, my knowledge, and I have to have the answers on the spot. And it is a, a freeing moment where you just say, but you know what um, I'm going to, I'm going to take a coaching posture where I can turn around and say, who else in the room not has the answer. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have all the answers in the room and I don't have the pressure of, Oh my goodness, if somebody asks a question and I don't have the answer, what are they going to think of me?
0: How how was how was that evolution for you from, from understanding that or from realizing that I don't need to have from, from realizing that I don't need to have the answer from from the stance in time that you need to have the answer?
1: Yeah. And then go yeah. Sorry, Jreen. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it's great. And it's it's a great follow-up. Um some of the experiences that that kind of nudged me into this were less than ideal. Were painful. Um, uh-huh. You go into some situations where, where there is so much complexity and there's so much stuff to deal with that, as an individual, you're always gonna get to a point where it's like, okay, you know what? That's it. I can do no more. I need to rely on other people. I need to teamwork. I need to open up a question and say, let's do a workshop or let's do a visualization or some kind of brainstorming to get to the next level. Um, right. So, so that was kind of a, the trigger points but eventually it came back to me to say okay Horia so now I look in the mirror and what do you see are you are you going to stick with the the assumption and the presumption that you know everything or are you okay now to maybe park your ego outside of the building when you walk into an office and say you know what I, I, I'm bringing my knowledge and my experience here but we'll need other people to come up with some other ideas and, and answers right Um,
0: I love that you have whatever uh, you talk about what uh, or whomever you talk to you have the can balance and you have you have the evolutionary lanes right and from talking about your career you're talking about it as as evolution of yourself in this point but looking back at your career were there any big breaks in it or or any revolution in it that that made you become the warrior that you are uh, today or it was just the smaller steps of uh, changes um, and move from here to there to to become this great uh, gentleman that I know. Uh,
1: again, thank you, Shane, for 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 the kind words. Um, I, I I'm not sure. I mean, first of all, there was a lot of trials and tribulations into my career, and that's mm-hmm. that's just who Horia is. It's not it's not a necessarily something that I I was always intentional about. Is just going through. Uh, quite a duration of years of um, of software development and IT career, you you experience a lot of different things. Now, on the other side of it, there is the the, the decisions that we personally make. Training where every once in a while something else shows up, and then you have the choice to say, do I do I stick with what I know and continue to do what I've done so far, or do I want to try something new? Hmm. Um, and that's those are defining moments. so, so again, I've tried. For example, where I did uh, actually, if anything, let's take an example where I changed uh, my career, one job to another one one day in about probably um, uh, around the 2010 where I flipped from a pretty much waterfallish organization to a fully agile one. Uh, And again, it was not necessarily the most pleasant um, experience because the first few months, um, it was very difficult. I was I was lost, honestly. Right. and then all that all that new context and the understanding of the new of the new practices and the new attitudes and everything else starts to seep see in, and then you really kind of start to acknowledge, like, oh, okay, there, there is a better way to to operate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, on top of that, I think I think now maybe hindsight twenty twenty. Uh, to your point, we're applying the evolutionary lens now, right? Because initially right. it was like. Are we agile or not? It's a black and white discussion. And at some point, again, you move on to say, well, what exactly is this question? What does it mean? Like when we're trying to be the people that at the top of the page says uncovering better ways and we're trying to follow some templates, that's not really uncovering better ways. So Um, again, a lot of it is reckoning, train. Maybe it's a psychological thing where I just had the privilege or the inclination or the time to kind of spend the time metaphorically to look in the mirror and say, what do I want to do now?
0: Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's, sometimes it's a privilege. Sometimes it's, um, self-awareness that you need to have to take that time to, to reflect back and figure out what you want to do next. Cause that's something that I am always asking myself. Like in two years, in three years from now, where do you want to be, and what are the steps that you need you need to take to to get there? Um, Horia, I want to ask you this question. So now that you are mostly focused on agility, uh, what problems do you typically solve um, at your daily daily
1: lives? Um, so again, another another amazing question, Shaheen. So in my context and in my world. Uh, there's a couple of things. So there is a, I think, a, 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 both a quantitative and a qualitative transition now. In uh-huh. like I said, in my context, where we're starting to look at agility uh, beyond the beyond the borders of one team at a time. Uh-huh. Right. So you might have heard me because a few years ago I was talking about I'm bringing agile to an organization one person at a time, and that was a great ap- approach and a great attitude, and it worked for me for a while. Um, and then for years we focused on well can we figure out a way to really instrument teams to be agile as a team right up to 10 people or whatever uh, a relatively kind of reasonable number was because because of the number of like the constraints that will allow a number of interactions and uh, a certain level of complexity that is limited as opposed to complexity going off the charts because you've got way too much in front of you. Um, I think at this point we are at the level where we're looking at, agility across larger organizations mm-hmm. or larger larger perspectives maybe than just the team. Right. Um and uh and another one that is kind of on my radar now is is the correlation between uh practices and culture and and values mm-hmm. and editing. So we are still kind of challenged to really understand how we would drive culture and, and my two cents there and you'll you'll allow and then the audience will allow me the metaphor but when when I talk about culture a lot of people will turn around say well Jorge you got to go and start to hack the culture Uh, and that's great it just in my head that image turns into a neurosurgeon with a hacksaw in their hands I would prefer Mm -hmm. not to have brain surgery done that way Mm -hmm. so hacking culture it's a it's a bit of a direct and kind of too harsh approach can we find Mm -hmm softer better more more organized way and maybe it's just me getting older and getting more risk averse right maybe i'll let others take more risk but i would rather we do these things with a more methodical
0: right and when you when you talk about hacking it always comes back to my mind when people get together uh, especially since your your background development is getting together on a hackathon and and try to put things together in a one or two day which which is which is amazing but then you won't be able to scale it afterward. If the idea is nice, you can prove that idea, then you need to figure out a proper way to produce that product or scale it up or or do. So it's the same thing applies to hack the culture. Yes, you can hack the culture in a way or two. And I had some stories that I shared in one of my talks that these are the things that I do, But, but the hacking the culture doesn't stick around that much. Unless you are extremely lucky, so tell us more. I'm, I'm very excited to hear uh, this evolution of um, agility that uh, you you are working uh, through and the lessons that you you can share with us and the audience. You you said that you started from introducing agility one person at a time, then one team at a time, and I want to say you now it's become one system at a time and it's more teams and many teams. So. So tell us at each level, what are the main challenges that you encounter and what are the learnings that you can share with us?
1: Um, So train, so absolutely. So let let me get to that. Let's unwind that uh, one twirl back though, because um, again, some of us are talking again in the Kanban kind of domain about different dimensions of scaling. Right. So when we're saying different levels, there's there's different perspectives even also and the levels too, because uh, like for example, some of the work that we've done in my organization, you might be familiar with that: is to scale left, okay. as in, as far as far as we got delivery kind of working in uh, in a relatively kind of organized fashion with Agile practices and everything else. Now let's look at what happens upstream from the delivery side, and say, well, how is how how are the requirements turning into eventual user stories for the team to deliver? Um, that side of it, a lot of the folks are kind of not aware of it, so there's no scaling happening there, which means the, the demand coming into the teams is kind of surprise to surprise. Next two weeks, you got to work on this. Oh, and next month, you're going to work on something totally different. And there's no perspective and no visualization and no anticipation of what's coming down the line. So that's one way to scale, which is different than the scaling of, uh, you've got three teams working, now let's go to 300. Right. Right? Um, and then you have things like, like our friends that are doing the flight lab those things right when you look at and that's probably more traditional to say one well, team level value stream or 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 organizational or, or or coordination i apologize i'm not very crisp about those terminologies and then you have portfolio or organization full organization right right so you got usually the three levels and then you can dive into those to say how would how would things happen and then the how there's uh seriously sorry. so the the kmm book has about 150 practices right so All right we have about two months to discuss those things, or so. There's a lot of there's a lot of optionality to the how, but right. I think it goes back to okay, understanding your context and understanding the culture of the organization you're working with, and then finding the appropriate uh, practices to start to introduce and using things like um, our famous by now ECM, uh, evolutionary right. change model, where you really gauge to say, "Am I?" It's, it it is a it is a very empirical approach, right? They're looking to say. Let me define the experiment and kind of define up front what i'm expecting and if it doesn't turn out the right way i'm going to pull the plot All Right. and and to add to what
0: what you mentioned horia or maybe i asked you and you you add add to it um when you mentioned kmm could you add a little bit more about what kmm is because for audience they might not know that uh, and i i know the first word is kanban so does it have to be a kanban um, implementation or approach for them to use KMM, or they can use it anywhere um, that they seems
1: fit. Thank you, Shaheen. and and thanks for kind of reminding us that again we're using very specific terminology that needs to kind of be positioned in context. So uh, KMM stands for Kanban maturity model. It originates out of the out of the Kanban community and the Kanban the body of knowledge. Uh, it is actually a maturity model that that shows maturity of an organization. Um, it is more or less supported by the Kanban principles and practice and everything else, but it is far less to do with how mature is my combine, whatever that means, anyway. Um, what it what it does provide, though, is it, it provides a lot of context and guidance to uh, to navigating the challenges and the caveats of, of evolving organization towards a higher level of maturity, right? Uh, towards getting. A much like orders of magnitude more benefits from this work. The the purpose there is not to become more mature for the sake of it; is to really become a much more powerful organization that will actually allow you to to uh, to actually uh, gain the market or or even lead the market.
0: Yeah,
1: it's it's
0: yeah, it's called Canva maturity model, but it's not about the maturity of Canva; it's about maturity of the organization, as you said. Uh, thank you, Horio, for for um, for uh, for mentioning that. So if you don't mind, I, I want to I love to talk about culture. I'll come back to that one, but I want to talk about a change uh, a little bit as well. Um, uh, so um, when uh, um i I start um uh, my incorporation called Elevate change so and I ask typically this question from from my audience and from from my guest speakers what what it comes to your mind when we when when you hear elevate change
1: uh, so that's that's a, that's that's beautiful right so first of all, it's an open question that's great right um so so change is um Change is a reality that we live in. It's not an optional thing anymore. Like right? maybe, maybe our grandparents' generation, even our parents' generation, lived through that. So, so we're in the midst of uh, multidimensional change. Um, mm-hmm. When you're, when you're mentioning elevating change, um, to me, for example, uh, and again, I'm outside of the context. So and, mm-hmm. and we can specify to the audience that you and I have not synced up our, our notes right. before this. Um, Elevating change means that you really need to understand that change is a primary factor into how we operate going forward. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that comes to mind, for example, is um, the way we regard predictability or unpredictability, mm-hmm. or the way we na- we dabble with the other concepts of fragility and resilience and anti-fragility. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the reality nowadays that is that as that we live in a world that. If we try to look at the past and say, here's the data from the past, so that's how we would forecast and predict the future based on the data from the past. Uh, that's gonna be a challenging approach because the future almost dramatically, almost guaranteed it's gonna dramatically be different than the past. Right. So change is there. So how do we factor in for the change? Right, there's other mechanism than predictions, planning forward, forecasting, or forecasting with a higher high level of accuracy or anything else. Yeah. Right. So elevating change is that we are, to me, that's what it tells me. Right. And and I'd love to kind of hear your kind of retort to that, but it we were right. it, it it elevates change as one of the main factors into how we operate going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was like, here's the plan, and by the way, yeah. we have uh what are those uh, awesome PCRs, PCMs? Those are changes. Right. Um We live through change now. Like it's not it's not an actual thing that to say we need approval from somebody else. True, true. Um
0: I I can share you what and it it becomes more mature as I go through it with with yourself and other distinguished guests. But when I started, I was like, okay, so change is the only constant that I know of, and how we can deal with that. As you said, right? We can we can deal with it, we can not think about it, we can put it aside, but it's going to happen anyhow. So the best action is to deal with it and elevate it to our purpose. And like, if you want to be more resilient, if you want to be, the goal is to be more anti-fragile, like whatever that is, that was the idea, right? So so the, the change is coming. And now that I'm thinking about, now that you mentioned ECM, ECM could be, be elevate change model instead of uh, evolution change model. Like that, the, the short uh, short uh, names would be the same. So it's it's going to be very confusing for people if I expand on this one. But um, so let's let get back to, to the main core, the change, right? So um, you talk about predictability, you talk about um, resiliency, and uh, if like you let's say in a, your your day to day life, like you are working on um a, a project you're working on a program whatever whatever that day day to day is how do you typically deal with change like there is some some new change that comes your way right and what are what are the tactics that you can share with us that um like the next day um uh, the people that listening to this thing can can take away from from it and use it when something changes
1: in their work uh Uh, Shane, thank you. So that this, and and it's a great kind of pivot on the conversation, instead of getting too theoretical or anything else, let's get concrete, right? So um, one approach that's, it's kind of working for me and for my colleagues in our context is to always look to say, uh, okay, let's go do a plan, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: put together a plan. It's, it's um, maybe Horia, not the agile coach, but maybe Horia, the hybrid coach, that's going to do some waterfallish kind of planning. And then we go in and say, great, let's put together a plan up front. And then we look at it and say, okay, so what's the level of confidence that we have in this plan? And mm-hmm. somebody will come in and say, with their with their chest all puffed up, to say 90% confident we can deliver this. And then you start to unpack the assumptions and everything else. to say, Well, how did you put together a plan? Well, I got estimates. Well, are those estimates from different teams or from the same team? Are they effort estimates or are they elapsed time estimates? And so by the time you unpack those things in a few minutes, um, with all, all the respect and the painful experience of, of, of kind of impacting their self-confidence, but you're mm-hmm. demolishing that plan for them. Right. Um the good news there is Shaheen is you have that deconstruction of the plan and that myth busting situation right. at the start of the project, at the onset. Right. And then you say, Great, now that we agree we don't know, let, let's go and prepare for change. And that's and that's maybe a simple way to say this is how you deal with change. It's like uh, we have a plan. It might be good, might be great, might be right. not so good. What happens if we ch- if if the plan changes? What happens if the condition changes? What happens if the constraints change? What right. are we gonna do? And then you have a bit of like, um, and and that's maybe again, Jane, Maybe that's me uh, uh, growing older into a more risk averse kind of personality. Mm-hmm. To say, well, let me be a voice Scout and assume that something will go wrong. What can right. I do then? Right. Right.
0: And, and you mentioned something that is very important and very hard to get to that point, uh, or I'm making an assumption, so let me ask you that question. Uh, the agreement for, for the people in the room or the people participating, not necessarily in the room, to say that we don't know what we don't know and let's move on with the plan. How how would you find, find that agreement to come, come along?
1: Again, great question, Shreen. And that's, again, that's the context that we need to unpack there. Um, so, so one of the things that's relevant maybe is that I have been in the same organization for a while, which allowed me to build quite a, um, let's say, a high level of two things. One is maybe more authority; uh-huh. people trust me that I know what on, on earth I'm talking about, um, and actually, literally, social capital.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Right. So I've got enough social capital because I've I've gone through some of these. Uh, experiences and more difficult kind of uh, challenging situations. And then we pull through on the other end and then people say, okay, well, there is a pattern here where every once in a while, if four years on these initiatives, things might turn out a bit better than usual. Uh Uh, And over time, you have that context and that trust level, right? So everybody says without trust, there's little to no things that can happen, right? So once that you have that established, then you have the next level to me, at least, and that's showing that might be my personal mental model, but the next level up is context. Why on earth are we talking about? So, uh-huh. what, if I would come in into a meeting where I've never discussed with these people and questioned their plan, uh-huh. then I'm in default and I'll probably be invited to leave the room. If I'm part of the construction of this plan, even if far from and to say, let's look at it, let's understand, and at some point we started to construct it, now that's a very different experience. Uh-huh. Right? So, so Shane, may, maybe this is again. Maybe this is my understanding, my approach to how to use those three dimensions of, of, of culture and social aspects of social innovation, social capital, and cohesion. Right. So right. I'm looking at alignment, and then with alignment, I have cohesion, and then I'm also looking at trust and all the other stuff which gives me social capital. Right. Does that does that make
0: sense? Like, I'm, yeah, that that totally makes sense. But again, I'm I'm trying to. Um, asked you the question i don't want to repeat be repeating myself that um great that you got to this place but what are the basic steps that you got uh, for people um, that are listening to this podcast that they can do to get to this place so you mentioned that a repeated success i guess in in the in the in the things that you were working on that they saw that when Horia is involved, we have a better outcome that when Horia is not involved. What else can you share with us that uh, build towards this uh, uh, trustful environment that now you're part of?
1: Perfect. Thank you. So a couple of other things, Irene. Uh And thanks for putting me back. You're right. Um, one of them is, is again, the, the collaborative nature. So mm-hmm. we talked earlier about finding that the strength at some point to shed that pretense that uh, that we all have that one of us has all the answers so going into a room and and as much as helping people and collaborating but also kind of refining that that skill of listening right so. Um, I find myself every once well, if I am tired that I will not pay attention and listen properly
0: right.
1: and i'll talk past the person that i'm talking to or to the people that I'm talking to, right so. Putting the brakes sometimes and just saying, okay, maybe I didn't pay attention. Let me go back, and we, which is what we just did here, right? You pulled me back. So, um, so collaboration. Um, a personal example. How do you how do you operate in an environment? How do you find the strength to to say, okay, you know what? If it's a if it's a project that's in really in a, in a challenging situation, can you can you provide a bit of stability and calmness just to walk in to say, okay? folks, what do we do next? Mm-hmm. I know it's difficult. I know somebody uh, is under pressure. What's the next logical step to move this forward? Mm-hmm. Right, so that's and that, that's one of my approaches to say, if you bring a cool head to a hot situation, you can help a lot. Right.
0: Nice.
1: Right? Yeah. Uh, always kind of encouraging and recognizing your colleagues, right? Like m- most of the projects are not done. If, if I, I kind of smirk a bit, strain when people, in very important positions, say I delivered this project, and you're mm-hmm. sitting there like mm-hmm. probably about 300 people that work with that person, right? So, right. right. Uh, <laughs> so, so a bit of humbleness, a bit of, of of that kind to say like, listen, let's 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 all work together to get this past the finish line, right. Mm-hmm. Um, right? So then we can talk about again collaboration, alignment, um, a good a good kind of attitude and and a teamwork. Nice. Is, is that are those some of the, the pointers and again they're relatively high level but they're i would guess that people that listen they would see okay well in this case i did my own thing so i wasn't really a team player they right. can make all their own decisions and they don't need to go and talk to anybody else they just need to look in the mirror to say well what happened this week or that or yesterday yeah yeah completely true um um
0: and i and i love uh, collaboration I, I that that's the the main um, mechanism to help on un, um, untangle the system if there, there is any blockers any blockages any, any impediments but one thing that I typically uh, share with others and I want to hear your thoughts on it is that as you said like p- putting on the brakes collaboration takes lots of energy and time so you need to Uh, prioritize what to collaborate on like you cannot you don't have the bandwidth to collaborate on everything right so you need to at some point says those things I don't care like whatever happens it happens these things I care and I trust someone to do them right hey Horia I know you're on them like I trust you whatever the outcome is I'm good with it these things are super important I need to be part of it and like from myself is important and from the goal that we have is important and we need to collaborate on them um, um I, I see you're nodding uh, but but uh, sh- share some some of your thoughts on that please
1: uh this is great so so again another skill that uh it took me a long time to master but as 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 professionals one of our responsibilities is to manage our own i guess our our whip limit quality. Right. so what I regularly do is I will touch base with the powers to be, with whoever is kind of um, bringing work to my plate and to my team's plate, to say, okay, well, do you understand the workload here? Um, and if the workload gets over a certain threshold, we're gonna say, okay, what else do we compromise on? Uh-huh. Can we negotiate? Can we pull something back out of the work in progress uh-huh. because you're bringing something new? Are we are we gonna compromise on quality? Which is it, it always turns up into no no no, no. quality is not it, it always has to be top 100 right so okay. you, you've got this discussion to say well it's our responsibility as professionals to go back to the powers to be to say um you're loading my plate with 200 300 the only outcome of this if we don't renegotiate the backlog is uh horia is going to burn out sorry i, I right. speak to myself in first person because i don't want to apply to somebody else but Burnout is very, real. And, and I don't know, training you have a few years under your belt. I've burned out a couple of times in my career, not pretty, not for me personally, not for my family, not for anybody else. Yeah. So yeah. in order to avoid that, and it, to me, that's part of my job, not my boss's job. Right.
0: Yeah and, yeah, and pandemic, something that it helped, or it actually forced us, most of us, into being burned out. I, I have seen in... My my social networks that we have now burned burn out coaches that you are coaches that are going to help you with the burnout aspect of your life. So, and then some, I might have them on one of my my guests. So anyhow, back back to our conversations. Um, we are we are getting almost to the end of our conversation, Horia, but we are still have time. So I want to get um, um a hey, little
1: bit one one point. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, that's problem. a very very distinct point. So. If we're talking specifically to coaches, because I, I thought we were addressing a, a larger audience, but let's focus on burnout of coaches. Uh, and I had some some great colleagues as coaches that I, I shared with and I, we talked and we compared notes. Um, and a couple of times I had that discussion about self-care. As a coach, mm-hmm. one of your job, one of your responsibilities is if you feel you're getting to a certain limit, that's, again, putting the brakes. Mm-hmm. Go, go hide in the corner, pretend you're booked with something else and do whatever you need to do do your reflection do your yoga aligning your chakras and your energy whatever it takes you to come back with a positive mindset right you cannot operate a coach when everything that comes out is negative right.
0: yeah
1: completely true
0: yeah
1: so what as applied to the coaches it's even more specific the guidance is self-care what is your self-care as a coach and that could be again it's a very personal thing right right yeah
0: yeah playing call of duty heavy uh, lift weighting, like whatever that could be
1: go for a bike ride go yeah. for a walk um go for a drink with your friends whatever particular your fancy
0: yeah true true complete true. thank thanks for bringing that up for you it's it's very important to to highlight that
1: we do forget all i i forget it all the time during like yeah. it, it. it i thought for years i'm perfect and yeah. for some reason i get the memo that i'm not yeah true true
0: so Horia, I want to ask you throughout whole, your whole career, um, were there specific people or um, several people that inspired you, and um, you want to mention them, or were there any specific book or any talk that inspired you in a certain way that it's like important for you to to share that with our audience?
1: Um, thank you, Horia. So, so here, here's here's a bit of a pivot on this one so uh first of all i got way too many names but, and and titles of books by the way right. but uh, the books is a is a separate discussion but in terms of in terms of uh of people so i've got a lot of people that i i i thank for my my advancement, my career and everything else one of the 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 latest a few years ago as of a few years ago i would rather we identify a persona um and and, and you you kind of know that because you and i spoke a few times um it's it's the typical uh kcp from from a few years ago akc now so Mm -hmm. uh, an accredited kanban uh, consultant is a a very special type of person Mm -hmm. and and it's 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 already an emerging persona because it's kind of still emerging there's still a lot of stuff that we want to discover about this but it's already fascinating because there's a lot of those emerging characteristics that are quite amazing like they're passionate they're extremely intelligent they're sometimes nerdy and geeky they dive into some of these topics that uh we studied in second year of university and i still shiver at those classes they, nice. so those are those are things that are not necessarily mainstream um uh, but those those drive some of us in that direction and uh-huh. and and as you know we're passionate about about some of that that work and like i said that is that is a is an archetype it's 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 a it's a target persona that a lot of us would, would aspire to eventually right. become. And I, to some extent, maybe I'm still suffering from imposter syndrome, right? right. Uh, but it's it's something that we all like to build to say um it's a constant innovator. Right. You're constantly reinventing not only the method or the body of knowledge or some aspects of it, but yourself too. Right. Cool. Does that yeah. does that make sense? So, I mean. Yeah, I yeah. Kind of avoid your question but I think it's like we know completely elevate makes the question.
0: we elevated yeah. the gender. yeah yeah completely makes sense and um akcs are accredited kanban consultants that's um um I I might I might butcher it but but that's as you said they are passionate people that pursue that um uh very uh intelligently and um and with, with the, the true purpose, not is because you want to become an AKC. Like you, you can become KMP, KCP, many other other certification. But this 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 AKC title, as you say, is a persona that you you are becoming part of. Part of, I want to call it forces behind um, evolution change model for. Kanban itself right so these are the people that put in thinking hats on like talk to themselves like and as you said they're passionate about and that's what I get energy from too as well um awesome uh, thank you Horia um is there anything that we wanted to talk about and we didn't talk about um is there anything that um you want to share uh at the end of our conversation that we didn't?
1: get the chance to talk about. Uh so, so I don't know if you if you want to expand a bit more, but I if not, we can leave it as um to me, this is maybe just another invitation to say join this kind of awesome group of people, mm-hmm. both in terms of the um the agile and common universe and maybe some of these more specialized groups to say join this evolution slash revolution because we are revolutionizing the way mm-hmm. we operate revolutionize the way we work and our management processes and everything else. So there is a lot of very exciting work for us. Um, I'm guessing a a large percentage of our audience will will be driven by these reasons, right? Right, right.
0: And um, if our audience wants to get in touch with you, how would that um, be the easiest way?
1: Um, So um, connect on LinkedIn. Name Mm -hmm. is Horia Balog again. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn or email at horia at balog.com right. um I think those are good enough for now right, right. uh, uh and the other thing showing I think as a community I think uh we can talk not necessarily about the six le- uh, the six degrees it's probably like three or four degrees of separation right. now, so. yeah true true
0: and and to add to what you mentioned about um uh, inviting others to join this community um to share a personal note on, on this, um my journey on becoming an AKC started with the uh, through this podcast as well. So I was going through, I I I I I always loved Kanban, I was using it. Uh, I became KMP, KCP, I took the KMM course, like I and I embodied at, at one point in my career. Um I specifically called in to come there and become a Kanban coach for them. Prior to that moment in time, I had a conversation with one of the AKCs in Canada as part of this podcast, and he offered at the end of the podcast, if anyone wants, um, I, I uh, the same thing that you mentioned about community, like I, he wanted to give back to the community because he was getting from community a lot. So he said that anyone that wants me to be the mentor, I'm more than happy. Um, and... Um, I took that uh, upon him, and someone else after listening to the podcast took that upon him, and he was instrumental for me to become, first of all, successful in in helping with the Kanban transformation, um, in my new, with my new client, and becoming AKC. So um, when we say join this community, right? Uh, like it, the doors is always open, like and the community is is always there for 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 you to help upon anything that you need so if you need Horia, you have Horia's uh, contact information i know he's he's um, immensely embedded in kanban committee and he he's he's helping a lot but i i will be there as well if you guys need some um some um i don't call it from my side mentorship or some help but from Horio side, you can get some mentorship for sure. Um, um,
1: thank, uh, thank you shaheen i'm guessing people will know how to track you down too right yeah <laughs> good yeah um, um that's great
0: yeah um so so thank you thank you horio for for your time I appreciated taking the time uh and uh, i enjoyed the conversation i hope you did and i'm hoping um soon to have you back on the show
1: thank you so much for the invitation